This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. I hope you are very well. Two words that will change your life. Be yourself. You'll have heard that before. It's become almost a cliche, but people don't act on it. The only people that act on it are successful people, popular people, happy people, fulfilled people. And the reason why is because they are themselves. They don't have to perform any role. They're not playing a character and they don't have to stick to that invented public persona that so many of us actually have. Just be yourself, because when you're yourself, you're authentic, you're credible, you're honest, you're truthful, you're free. It's an awful lot of effort. It's a lot of baggage to have a construct and to present an image to the world. Be you. It's an absolute game changer. Now, can we talk about what Thierry Henry, the famous footballer, describes as the myth of genius. That's right, the myth of genius. It's the idea that some people are just blessed with a God-given talent. They're lucky, they're a freak of nature, and that's why they're so successful. Absolute nonsense, says Henri, who is one of the greatest players in the history of football. He says it's focus, it's application, it's determination, it's work, it's effort. The truth is that each and every one of you is a genius. I'm a genius. I know, hard to believe. But the bottom line is that everyone's unique. Everyone's gifted within the human blueprint. We've got kidneys. We've got a liver. We've got legs. We've got eyes. We've got teeth. And we've got talent as well. So tap into yours and find the genius within. If you go through it, I mean, there are so many people who we sort of label geniuses, don't we? Uh, Paul McCartney, Novak Djokovic, uh, Lionel Messi, the footballer, J.K. Rowling, what about her? Taylor Swift, Madonna, all these geniuses, but they're not really geniuses. They just, they got their act together, didn't they? They just, they did the work, you know, they send the emails, they posted the letters, they printed out their CVs. They bloody did it. Don't forget all those uh, all those weeks ago on this show, I was telling you about an advert in the comedy newspaper, Channel 4, looking for writers. And a lot of my mates who were, wanted to be comedians, aspirational comedians, didn't apply. It's like, how can you not just kick a ball into an open goal like that? And they just thought they'd get rejected. They didn't think there was any point or they didn't like the look of the show. I'm like, are you mad? But that's it. So, you know, just just realize that actually when we lavish this praise on other people, uh, it's just that they they did the work, they put the hours in and they got their act together. You know, Woody Allen famously said 90 percent of success is showing up. Who knew? Who knew? It's so simple. Of course, it's hard and there's no guarantee. But you're giving yourself a bit of a chance by actually trying. And putting one foot forward in front of the other, step by step by step. 
It's also very important. I think we've talked about it before. Stick with it. Whatever it is you're doing, just stick with it, folks. Just get your shoulder to the wheel and just grind it out, baby. Grind it out. It's like this podcast. I will do it forever. Okay? You just do it. You just crack on. And um, that will separate you. Remember, I think this show could easily be called The 5% because I want to propel you into the 5% of people who are the most successful, the most fulfilled, the happiest. And of course, they have problems too. But those 5%, they're the ones that do things differently. They don't follow the pack. They go the extra mile. They work a bit harder. They're a bit smarter. And it will really pay off. It will really, really see you through. So stick with stuff and understand that the genius, the talent is within you. All you've got to do is identify what that is. And one great clue is doing what you want to do. If you're attracted to something, well, then that's a calling. Now, a few things to get through, lots to get through in today's show, let me tell you. The first is that do not trust first impressions, okay? There's this idea of first impressions last. I have misjudged so many people. Working in broadcasting, I've had producers come onto my team and I've just thought they were very unpromising. I try not to be judgmental, so I've never acted on my feeling that they weren't good or that they were not investable. But that was just, if you'd asked me, I'd be like, yeah, where do we find him from? Where do we drag her out of? But um, what I do is I hold fire on judgment and look to be proved wrong. And I think that's something that you can do, we can all do, whether it's love or whether it's professional relationships or even friendships. You know, the number of friendships that start with a bit of conflict. I had a friend at school and we had like this fight and it was really horrible. And then I apologized and then he apologized and then we became amazing friends. But the foundation of our friendship was that we didn't like each other and we we fell out over something. But once we had the falling out and then resolved that, that was a bit like when you break your bone and when it fuses together, it's stronger than it was before. You are welcome. So don't prejudge. Now, prejudice in all senses is horrific anyway. We know that. But first impressions are a part of that. You know, first impressions are not rational. And OK, you've got your gut instinct and all of that. And I don't want you, you to ignore, like, let, let's just say that, you know, you're going on a date or something and you've got a bad feeling about someone and you're uncomfortable. Well, you know, get the hell out. This is not a hill to die on. But it's just a case of reserve judgment until you've got to know someone better, because very often people behave differently when you first meet them. They might be a little shy or they might have this constructed persona which they use to protect themselves. And that might not be a very attractive persona. But once you get to know them, that's not them. You get past, you know, shy people. You get to know the real them after a little while. Shy people can be a little bit grumpy. They can be a little bit passive aggressive. They can be cold. And then you get to know them and you unlock them. And then there's a wonderful box of delights inside, which you didn't spot straight away. Invest in yourself. This is a really big thing. Invest in yourself. Think about what you spend your money on, right? I mean, you spend your money on accommodation, on transport to and from your place of work. You have energy bills, food bills. You have petrol for your vehicle, perhaps. You may have dependents such as a partner or offspring or a pet. And then there's debt. Most people are carrying debt. So you've got your credit cards or you've got your mortgage or you're paying for your car slowly. So that is obviously, that's your cash. But 
where possible, and if you're not sure about what to spend any extra money on, or indeed if you don't have the money and, and you're actually even borrowing the money, don't borrow money for a holiday. I don't think it's worth it. I really don't. Um, try not to borrow money for clothes or any luxury items. You know, Most people have clothes. You know, it's not like you'll be naked if you don't buy that jumper. But one brilliant resource to invest in is yourself. So that might be an evening class or an online course. You're developing your skills, which will boost your career, or maybe you want to change careers and therefore you're going to get tooled up. Um, I'm thinking of doing a transcendental meditation course because I've never really done meditation, but a very good family friend the husband of my wife's cousin, you're welcome. Uh, he actually, he gave me, he sort of taught me a meditation session in, in the Easter and I really enjoyed it. It was a little bit like sleeping. It was really relaxing, very spiritual. Um, and I'm very interested in transcendental meditation. One of my heroes is the comedian Jerry Seinfeld, who swears by it. He's been doing it for decades. And he says that transcendental meditation is is like he said you know when you sometimes sleep for like eight or nine hours and you wake up feeling really refreshed like the best night's sleep ever he said well that's transcendental meditation every time now it may or may not be nonsense but my mind is open a big part of this show is about having an open mind that is the essence of this show is that you open your mind to all of the things that are out there all the ideas you open your heart to all of the people Okay, this is an open show, open, 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 receptive, listening like a dry sponge, ready to absorb water. Children are like that, aren't they? Children are like sponges and they say yes to everything and they are open, open, open. And as we get older, we close, close, close and we just get a fixed idea of things. It's a big mistake. It's a great weakness. Remain a child. And one way that you do that is by staying curious and understanding how little we all know and that we are just specks in the general scheme of things. Um, so so transcendental meditation, right? It might be nonsense, it might not. Um, it's not relevant. To, I mean, when I do the course, by the way, I'm going to do an episode on it and let you know if it was any good or not. And I will always tell you the truth. If it was rubbish, I'll tell you. If it was great, I'll tell you. Now, this course is going to cost me about, you won't believe this, but it's going to cost me about £300, which is an earth-shattering amount of money. But, and I'm not doing it yet because I have bills. But I'm waiting for a moment when I'm when I just feel, OK, I'll do it now. Do you know what I mean? I'm waiting for a good month and then I will I'll make that investment. And the reason why is because my guess is it probably will be won't, will be quite good. Right. I think it won't do me any harm. Um, that 300 quid will then I think that's it. Right. There's no follow up. There won't be. I won't allow there to be a follow up. You know, if you can't if you can't glean what's needed from that, then um, I'm out. But. I think that investment will then be with me forever. I think that 300 quid will just sit in my subconscious forever, that skill set. And imagine in some ways, if you then did meditate every day over a few years, that, that 300 quid has worked out about a penny a day, probably. And it's boosted your life. So invest in yourself, whatever it happens to be. Maybe it's a hobby that requires, you know, maybe you want to take up golf because you're stressed out and you find golf relaxing and you've got to join a golf club or, or you pay for like pitch and putt or whatever. And that's a weekly investment. But if you're going to get the value out of it, if you're going to use it, it's probably going to be good for your mind, body and soul. The golf, right? Fresh air. You're going to make some friends. And the great thing about sport is that 
it takes you out of yourself, doesn't it? It's much better than drugs. It's much better than alcohol, which people go to alcohol to escape and to stop thinking about things and to switch off that button in their head. Well, actually, sport does that too. It's much better for your liver and doesn't impact the people around you. So if it's the cost of golf per week, and that's, think of it as an investment to yourself. Um, anything educational, any any educational tools, it's a thing you're investing yourself. Uh, let's imagine you decide to go low carb, right? You're going to, because I swear by low carb, I'm not a doctor, so please consult your GP at all times. But I went low carb and I lost a load of weight. I felt much better. It was a game changer. I have to be honest with you, that diet cost me a bit of money because you're buying really good quality. You're, you're buying meats and you're buying eggs and fish and butter and cheese. And it's just real food. It's not your, It's not like a bowl of pasta, right? Pasta, rice, very, very fattening, all carbohydrates, but they are cheap as chips. So I remember spending more on food because of this project of going low carb. It took about three months and I, I, I think I spent more on food than usual. But what did I do? I was investing in myself. First of all, I invested in feeling better and I invested in looking better and I lost the weight and, and it stayed off. And now I don't spend as much on food because that was just like the hardcore, you know, I was in attack mode. I was really, really going for it with a low carb. And I reached the end point where I hit my sort of where I want to be, the target weight, as they would say. And I just kind of brought it back to something that I would call lowish carb now. And I don't go crazy. Um, I train once a week and I do lifting. And of course, that costs me a bit. But I mean, that's exercise, isn't it? So that's longevity. So I'm actually paying to live longer. I mean, if you could pay to live longer, would you? Yes, you would. Right. You would prioritize that over going out with your mates for a pint, wouldn't you? A little fund to live longer. Well, that's what that's what exercise is. So if your exercise costs you a bit of money, um, you're paying to live longer and to feel better. So my lifting is, you know, justified. What's not justified is going and buying clothes. Right. I have clothes. So what I do, I've got a couple of clothing hacks, by the way, which is and I think you'll know this, but I'll share it with you anyway. Charity shops amazing because what happens is you you get to pretend that you are a lottery winner or a multimillionaire by going into a shop and just shoving lots of things in your bag and leaving but it's cost you 11 pounds rather than a thousand pounds you know like I quite like ties because I, I wear a tie in my job and I, I'll, I'll find a tie in a charity shop for one pound fifty or two pounds for a tie and a tie in a normal shop would cost me 20 or 30. So charity shops is a little bit like retail methadone. Do you know what I mean? It's just something to get you the hits, the buzz, the endorphins of going shopping, but without the financial impact. It's a great thing. So there is charity shops. There is very, very cheap shops like Primark, which are almost like charity shop prices. However, um, can I just say that this show is very eco-responsible, eco-minded and fast fashion is silly, needless and tragic. Just imagine you buy a dress or you buy a T-shirt for a party and then you don't wear it anymore because that's the idea. Because the T-shirt was like two quid or the dress was a fiver. It's so cheap that you don't have to wear it again. It barely costs you more than a coffee. Well, that's obviously really sad. Normally it'll be polyester and it goes into landfill. It won't degrade. And if it's cotton, well, I'm afraid to tell you that the environmental impact of cotton is significant too. It takes a lot of resource, a lot of water um, to make cotton items. Of course, the clothing is dyed. That has an environmental impact. The shipping of the clothes, you name it. 
So what I do with my cheap shopping, I do enjoy cheap shopping, but I wear it forever. So if I go to Primark, by the way, if you're listening abroad, you know, Primark is just one of those really ultra cut price, the cheapest, cheapest shop you can think of. Um, I'm trying to think what the equivalent in America would be. Perhaps Kmart from memory, I think, you know, almost like, you know, those supermarkets that just sell very generic clothes. It's that kind of it's that level I'm talking about where you get a you get a fleece for eight dollars if you're in the United States. Um, what I do is I only allow myself to buy those items if I know that I'm going to keep them forever, more or less, you know, within reason that this is not just for, for tomorrow, but for um, for the next few years. And that's how I can um, justify that. But can I give you another top tip? Because I've always loved shopping. My mum used to take me to the shops. She worked very hard. She ran a pub with my dad. It was very stressful. It was long hours. And I think she found going to the department store therapeutic. It was a break for her. It was an escape. It was a bit of glamour. It was a bit of luxury. It was a bit of pampering. She enjoyed it. And given the fact that she worked so hard and my dad worked so hard, who am I? What am I to say? So that was um, a thing that she did. Um, so therefore I do have, I think probably from, from having seen her pleasure from it and been in department stores, like I still love going into department stores and just like going to the cafe and having tea and stuff like that, tea and scones and, you know, clotted cream and strawberry jam and all of that. I did, that's a ritual because I did that with my mum. So it's, it's naturally quite, um, nostalgic. So I have got that thing, you know, I'm, I, my wife is lucky. She's not a shopper as such. And there are other people I know. They're not, they find it boring. Most people, find, a lot of people find it boring. I don't, it's like a hobby for me. It's a recreation, but I do not want to spend the money. I can't justify it, etc. So what I started doing, and I noticed this when I was particularly broke at one point, is I just thought, well, you like shops, don't you? And you like trying on things. You like looking at clothes and just thinking about buying stuff. So why don't you do all of that and then just not buy it? And you know what? It works really, really well. Okay, this is like the coitus interruptus of shopping. Do you know what coitus interruptus is? Coitus interruptus, it's a family show. Have you noticed I never swear? Because I want you to be able to listen to this show in the car when the kids are in the back. Hey, some of this might be helpful to the kids. This show is not made for kids. I might do some kids specials soon. It's not made for kids, but I want you to know, you to trust me that you can listen to it whilst they're in the room. I think they might not be very intrigued by it, but they won't be uh, offended or adulterated. Anyway, so therefore, when I describe coitus interruptus, I must be very delicate, but it's when a, a man, a gentleman and a man are, 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 you know, together, hugging intimately, if you know what I mean. And the interruptus means that they stop before, before things happen. I hope that's explained it well enough in a PG sort of way. Well, I like to have the coitus interruptus of shopping. So what I do is I go into the shop, I look around, I gather items, right? I hold a few items up against my neck. That doesn't work, does it? Holding clothes in front of you, in front of the mirror. It does not work. It's a disastrous way to purchase clothes. Do not do that. There's only one worse way to buy clothes, and that's from the internet. Is there anything worse than internet clothes shopping? What the hell? Sorry, it has to hang on my unusual body before I can make the purchase. So I go into the shop. I spend ages looking around. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. Go into the changing rooms. Uh, try all the different items on. By the way, um, top tip if you're thinking about whether to buy something or not. 
Use different mirrors, okay? Do not limit yourself to one mirror because you've got one mirror. The lighting will be a certain way. You're a certain distance from the mirror. You need to come out of the changing room. You need to walk around the shop and look in all the different mirrors, which are in different parts of the store where the lighting is slightly different. Um, and you get, if you look in a second mirror, that's like a second opinion. I've had certain clothes. Where I, I actually recently looked at a nice long-sleeved T-shirt. Is that a shirt? Long-sleeved T-shirt, like a crew neck? cotton thing very nice for the summer and I think it was made of viscose or something it's a very nice sort of smooth huggy soft material very light and I put it on and I really like to look great from the mirror beautiful right happy days good price as well but I did the second mirror test and I went to another mirror in the main part of the shop and the lighting was different and actually it looked like I was fat it made me look fat now I think in fairness I'm not fat but the way that the lighting works in that other mirror is that you could like to see man boobs and a bit of a belly, which I honestly don't really have. I mean, I, I just don't. But that was you get some clothes, don't you, that just make your body not look like the, what it is, but make it look like something else. So it was very unflattering. I think that's what you call it, an unflattering cut. But it's only because I looked at the second mirror. So I would highly recommend that if you are clothes shopping, that you use different mirrors. Anyway, so that's it. And what you then do is you try all those things and you have fun. And even, by the way, do some selfies in these different new clothes. Then what you do is you take them off. You give them back to the person at the changing room and you say, thanks. Um, they're nice. I'll have a think about it. And then you leave the shop and you do not buy them. And I promise you, it's very enjoyable. At first, it's hard when you're not when you like don't make the purchase. But after a while, you realize half the battle is just kind of the looking at them, the trying it on, the imagining your life wearing these clothes. So I very often do that now. If I just if I've got time on my hands and I'm in central London, you know, pop into a TK Maxx, which is a store I love because it's a store that it's basically everything is on sale. The whole shop is on sale because it comes from other retailers that couldn't sell this stuff. And TK Maxx like, we'll have it. So, you know, when you're in a shop like Zara or Gap on this little area reduced to clear, well, that's the whole of TK Maxx is reduced to clear. They should have called the shop reduced to clear. You get some great things in there. But yeah, try it as, a, as an act of self-discipline. Try trying stuff on and then leaving and then you don't own them and you've still got the money, but you had the pleasure of thinking about it. It's really good. I mean, I suppose it's a bit like window shopping, isn't it? But it's more full on than that. It's more than window shopping, isn't it? You go through the window and you are with that mannequin and you are clad in those beautiful, beautiful items. Can I recommend something that will save you a lot of laundry? It will save the planet. It will save water. It will save energy. It will save cost. Everyone thinks that your towel has got to be this massive, vast, huge thing that wraps around your body eight times. Why the hell are towels so big? They do not need to be so big. OK, I will accept that if you're in a public sphere, let's say you're in a hotel swimming pool. You do need a towel that can wrap around your body where you sort of hook it over and it's like a little skirt. I understand that. But you don't need that at home, do you? And you're trying to save money. You want to be efficient. So I went to a long time ago, my favorite shop for towels, which is an English shop called John Lewis. And I bought the smallest towel I could find, which is I'm so bad with measurements. How bad am I with measurements? It's, it's basically not big enough to go around my waist. 
So that would be less than 30 inches, wouldn't it? Yeah. Just think of it. It's not a flannel. It's not just like a little face towel, but it's just the, the next one up. I guess it would be a hand towel, wouldn't it? Be a hand towel. And it's about, oh, what would you say? Two, two, two foot wide? About that? Two and a bit feet wide? Anyway, absolute game changer. So now I have honestly just been using really tiny towels. And that means a lot less laundry, dries really quickly, less waste. And it's just simple. I mean, I have to be honest with you. If you were in a like wartime situation, you could technically just have a flannel and you could dry your whole body with a flannel. You do know that, don't you? You could dry your whole body with a face flannel. So I'm being quite generous with this this little hand towel. But yeah, get rid of the big, bulky, massive towels. It's just a ridiculous amount of real estate of cotton that's never used. And another thing you can do, if you're feeling like, let's say you live alone and you don't care what anyone thinks and you've got no judgment from anyone, you could get a big towel and cut it up into small towel portions. You could literally just get the scissors out, cut that towel down to size. But that is a little hardcore. Um, but that's not bad for traveling, by the way. If you If you want a travel towel, Take a towel that you don't love that's seen better days, cut it in half and put it in your bag. Um, but it's a lovely thing and I highly recommend the small towel. You will get used to it. Why do people have to come out of the shower dressed up like a mummy? It doesn't make sense to me. Um, what else have we got? It just says here, work hard and then you're allowed naughtiness. I think that's a big thing is it's hard, isn't it, to get ourselves to work hard. We instinctively don't want to, myself included. But I must say that when I really do work hard, and I just like really put my back into it, then the rewards are more enjoyable. So let's say that you, when I was self-employed, you know, and I would sometimes do weeks and weeks and weeks without a single day off. And then that first day off, you're like, well, look, I've worked every day for a month. I've not had a weekend, long hours, absolutely crazy. I'm going to go and have a really nice lunch now at that lovely restaurant. And I'm going to have whatever I want. It's a wonderful reward. But you've really earned it. And so if you work hard, reward yourself. It's a bit like my investment argument, isn't it? Jay Leno, American comedian, he must be one of the hardest working, working people um, ever because he had his TV show, which was Monday to Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he would do stand up shows. It's like six, seven days a week that guy worked. And he did not need to travel around America at the weekends doing solo one man shows in places like Vegas and Florida. He had a TV show. He was on millions just for his TV show. He could have had a weekend, but he loved comedy and he loved his TV show and he was just a worker. But it gave him great power and great freedom. So when you work hard, you can play hard. And there's a lovely story about he was with his wife and it was somewhere like Florida. They were at the seaside, a beauty, lovely sort of um, coastal road. They're driving down the road and they've got the wind blowing in their hair, beautiful convertible car, all is good with the world. They're flying along. It's one of the most uh, stable showbiz relationships. I think her name is, is, he's called Jay Leno and she is called Mavis. That's right. They've been together through through thick and thin. Anyway, they're driving along this uh, road and there's a kind of beachfront property there. And Mavis says, oh, isn't that, isn't that, look at that, Jay, isn't that gorgeous? Just as they're driving past, and he said, you like it? You like it there? You like that? She said, yeah, isn't it lovely? He said, okay, let's buy it. She said, what do you mean? Are you mad? Are you drunk? He said, oh, you like it? Let's get it. Very spontaneous. 
Uh, she's like, what, are you mad? It's not even for sale. There's no for sale sign. I was just saying it was a nice place. He's like, well, let's see. So he turns the car around and he pulls up at this property. He rings the buzzer and says, hello, it's Jay Leno. Um, can I talk to you about your house? And the, they've got a little like speakerphone, a camera. It's like, it's Jay Leno. You're not going to not let this guy in. If you don't know who he is, he was the great rival of David Letterman, an iconic talk show host, uh, a latter day Johnny Carson. He goes up to the front door of this guy and says, oh, we love your house. Is there any chance you would consider selling it? And the person said, very odd you should say that because we're about to put it on the market. And he's like, well, I'll, I'd like to buy it. Um, give me the details and we'll get it sorted. And within a week, the house was theirs. That's extraordinary, isn't it? But obviously, Leno, he's, I think he's quite careful with his money. Um, he made this rule, which is that he only lived off his salary from stand-up, right? So his money from the TV show just went into a bank account. He wasn't allowed to touch it. He only could spend money from his live shows, which is quite disciplined. But then obviously there were moments when he was wildly profligate, such as the many cars that he owns and spontaneously buying beachfront properties. But you know what? It's a no-brainer for him. He's put the hours in, he's worked hard and he's going to treat himself. Now, you and I and most people listening to this will never be in that position and that's fine. But we can have our equivalent of that. Do you know what I mean? My equivalent is the nice lunch. It's not going to be the beachfront property. But either way, it just it feels good that you've worked hard and you get the spoils. So don't only work hard and never get the benefit. Do you know what I mean? Yes, you've got to be sensible. You've got to pay down your debt. You've got to cover the bills. But, you know, treat yourself. And it's like Manchester City have just won the... Champions League. They've won three trophies, which is the Premier League, the Champions League and the FA Cup. And uh, they're very disciplined in everything. But their manager, who's also disciplined, called Pep Guardiola, said uh, they're going to drink. I think they're going to drink a river now. You know, they're just going to go absolutely. And by the way, I wouldn't recommend that. Please drink responsibly. But, you know, they've been disciplined. All bets are off. Now they can have some fun. And it's a great thing. So, um, that is it. It's have some fun and work hard, play hard. And that is the Rick Elton John. There's always an Elton John story, isn't there? But he's the same, you know, he's he's pretty extravagant, but he works hard too and he pays his taxes. So why not? There was a court case in which it was discovered he spends, I think, and apologies to Elton if this is not accurate, but I think it I think it was several hundred thousand pounds a year on on flowers. I still find that figure hard to imagine, but I think there was, that may have been the quote, right? And if Elton's people are listening, that's wrong. I'd like to apologise. But a lot of money on flowers. And in the court case, uh, he was asked about that. And he said, yeah, I, I just, I like flowers. They, they, you know, they make me happy. Good luck to you. Do it. Knock yourself out. You wrote Candle in the Wind. You're allowed flowers. And by the way, so are you. Um, it's really good to listen to the people you respect. Okay. It's amazing how close-minded we all are, myself included. What I want you to do, going back to my sponge thing, is it's very important to expose yourself to other people's ideas, other people's feedback, okay? If what you're doing in your life, you know, how you're living as a person, what you're doing at work, if what you're doing cannot be subjected to scrutiny, okay, if you can't be quizzed about something, then you're not in a strong position, accountability is no bad thing. It's a test of your resolve. It's a test of whether you're on the right path. Because let's say that you're an accountant and you've decided to become a pop star, okay? 
and the accountancy was going really well and you were making good steady income. And then you're like, yeah, but I, I think I'm a pop star, right? At that point, um, let's say your mum or your parents are concerned and they're like, you were doing so well as an accountant. Now you've got no money and you're living with us again. Um, expose yourself to that friction, that resistance and allow them to probe you. Allow them to test you. It's like a politician with an interviewer going, why are you raising taxes? Why is the economy shrinking? Why is unemployment so high? Um, expose yourself to that critique, right? Cover yourself in it. Drink it up. Because in the end, if you're really keen on being a pop star and you're certain you've got the ability, you'll say, yeah, mum and dad, I know that it was going great with the accountancy, but I hated it. You only live once. I'll be dead one day. And I'm certain I've got a talent. And if I don't give it a go, it will always be what if. I'll always wonder what would have happened. So therefore, it's very important to actually, um, you know, test yourself on that. The flip side is what happens when people do not allow scrutiny upon themselves, do not expose themselves to pushback. And they are in a weak position. OK, so let's say you're at work. And you're not getting honest feedback from colleagues. Well, they're getting more and more annoyed with you. The resentment is growing. The bosses aren't happy. You don't really, you're not open to listening to them or hearing the feedback about what's not working. So in the end, they're going to move on. You know, they're going to let you go or they're going to shove you into another department. Whereas actually, you know, I've had times in my job and my career where things are not successful. And I go to the decision makers, the people who control my destiny and I, I try to get ahead of it. And I say, hey, listen, this is not um, not very good at the moment. And just want you to know I'm aware of that, that it's on my radar. So you're, you're owning your own failure. And what you do is you say to your boss, um, this isn't good. Here's my plan, how we fix this, because I'm I'm aware that if we don't change something, it's going to be carry on. Da, da, da. Um, what do you think? And expose yourself to, you know, uh, uh, when I do my show, right, my regular show, I say to the team afterwards, um, okay, what worked? It's important, right? What worked? Should we negative? That was great. That was great. And again, okay, and what was bad? What can we change? What would we do again differently? And you need an answer to both. Whereas in my industry, this business of showbiz, people just want to have nice stuff said to them all the time. You're amazing. You're perfect. Butter wouldn't melt in your mouth. Uh, but those people, are, you're immediately vulnerable to, to failure then because you're going to deliver a weak product. You know, we know that in politics, in performing arts, in business, in relationships, if you're just surrounded by a yes man, yes man, yes, people that just say yes to you all the time, you're you're gonna go into decline. We know that with artists, or music artists, whose work gets worse and worse and worse. Why? Because no one will say to them, that album's rubbish. These songs are not good enough. But that is what happened when they started. But they've got such a big ego and they're so protected now. They play the new album and everyone goes, it's the best thing I've ever heard. Well, it's a lie. It's not the best thing. The album goes out. It's rubbish. And the public don't lie, do they? They're like, that new album was rubbish. So it's important that you don't fall into that trap in that bubble, the comfort bubble of praise and just having a feeling good all the time and living in a fool's paradise. OK, there's no value, there's no value to an imagined world where everything's good. Um, a really good example in politics is Margaret Thatcher. Now, Margaret Thatcher was, she was considered to be a very domineering, arrogant, in-your-face, aggressive, single-minded sort of character. And, and to a degree, from what I've read about her, she was. But she was a chemist. She did chemistry at Oxford. And she was very empirical. And she used to think things through. 
So she was notorious for surrounding herself with experts and she would carefully listen to each of them. And then she, as a good leader, would form a judgment. And she said, well, you said this, you said this. She does her own background reading and then she comes to a view based upon a plurality of advice that she's received. She surrounded herself with experts. She had consultants. She had a guy called William Whitelaw, who was her deputy prime minister. And her great one liner was that every prime minister needs a willy. It's a great line. But she started to do that less and less. And after about eight or nine years in power, she became very single-minded and she became less collaborative and she didn't listen. She didn't take advice. People warned her about stuff and she plowed on regardless. At that point, she became vulnerable because she was not exposing herself to reality, to scrutiny, to friction, to discomfort, right? So even she was now in this comfortable bubble where yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. And if you're a top leader like that, you need even more than anyone else, you need to be told the truth and you need people around you to say, sorry, boss, this is a terrible idea. Um, but all of us fall into that trap because it's not nice, uncomfortable receiving criticism, receiving feedback. But drink it up, soak it up. It is your best friend. Um, look, we are wrapping things up now. Um, I just want to say it's been really lovely talking to you. Don't forget that the show drops every Sunday now. That is the big thing. And I have some top, top tips for you coming up. We've not got through all the tips today. So much more to get through. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, please subscribe, tell your friends, share, like, uh, give me an honest review on Apple Podcast or whatever podcast platform you're listening to so that more people can uh, tap into the world of the Mark Dolan way. It's been great to have your company. Go and have a great week and I'll see you soon. <laughs>